Welcome to the Wellspring Church podcast. We're an international church family who wants to see Jesus love transform communities. This recording is a sermon from our Sunday service and will take you deeper into the Bible in a real and relevant way. Amen. Well, it is wonderful to be back in Watford. We now live in Oxford, so we often obviously have a thing about Ford cities. And um, we lived in Watford for 17 years. I think I'm losing my battery in and out. Um, and um, then we have just lived in um, Oxford for 17 years. So we're in that transition. We're nearly Oxfordians more than we were Watfordians. So, But it is such a delight to be here. I hope you just have an expectancy. Because I have such a sense that Jesus wants to talk to you face to face. You know, he's a, a wonderful God that loves to be in our world, in our space, and with us. So, Jesus, we're just so grateful that we are Jesus' people. That you are with us, hold us, Help us, and we look to you. And we ask you today that you will just capture our attention, set our lives on the right navigation course, and put within us a great sense of privilege of being Jesus' people. And we thank you for this. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So I want to speak today about the Jesus-focused life. We had the privilege of praying in the 9 o'clock service for this next generation of young adults. And there was two senses that came out as we prayed. That God wants to put in your hands a compass and a plumb line. And whether you're watching online, and welcome if you are, and whether you're in the room, I just believe this is the season of the plumb line and the compass. Plumb line, why? We need to get our correct perspective from heaven to earth. It's very easy for life to be shaping and squeezing our, our perspectives, shaping our values. But I believe, really, the church should be the greatest influences. Come on, don't leave it to TikTok. Why should they be the influencers of our world? Come on, you 18 to 30 years old. You've got something to say. Stick your head up. Put your chin out. Influence. Let's put that plumb line out and say, no, this is not the way to go. Do you agree with me? I think we need to be courageous enough to have some big no's and some great yeses and to be able to articulate them. And come on, we've got so many ways of communication. And for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, etc. But come on, let's use it. Let's use it. As I said, we live in Oxford. So I live in a student city and I have loved that slight in your face. It brings the best and the worst in me. It's like, come on then, let's play. <laughs> and I feel we should not be ashamed of our Jesus. Because quite honestly, let's look at some of our governments think they're not giving us a lot of great answers. 
And it doesn't matter whether it's Democrat, Republican. I've just been in the States for six weeks, so forgive me. Or Tory, whatever. I mean, we had three prime ministers in how many weeks? Anyway, we won't go there. Um, and so it goes on. Come on, let's make the main thing the main thing. Because if Jesus is in the hope space, we've got hope. And I want to talk today about living a Jesus-focused life. I believe we're living in a season where it's so easy to be distracted by many things. Listen to the narratives that are going on in your head. What are the conversations that you start having? Are they fear-filled? I mean, thank God we've come out of pandemic and we've come out of COVID. But many of us are still living with the mindset of being masked and muzzled and fearful and withholding rather than giving and generous. How many of you agree? We can just watch it. There's an awkwardness. Do I hug? Do I not? Do I think awkward? You know, we know all those things. Distracted by many things. And as we turn to Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42, we read this story of Mary and Martha. And now I'm going to say, you had an extra sleep. Now let's see, and you're online, well, might be pajama party, but never mind. Come on, loud, one, two, three. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but was, was, was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Sound familiar? Tell her. Martha, Martha, the Lord answers, you are worried and upset about but, but, but are needed. Or indeed only, Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. You see, when we're living in a distracted season, we have mixed perspectives and wrong assessments of people around us and a totally wrong perspective of God. So here's Martha, overwhelmed, distracted, stressed out. I've got all this work to do. Nobody notices me. And God, you're not even pleading my case and making them feel bad and telling them to get off their butt and help me. Sound familiar? We suddenly feel isolated, withdrawn, misunderstood, overwhelmed, stressed, pressured, and feel even God is not on our side. And Jesus gets hold of Martha and says, Martha, Martha, whoa, calm down. You've got this whole thing out of context. One thing's needed. And Mary's chosen the better way, the better thing. And often when you hear this sermon preached, it's like, just stop being stressed, just sit at the feet of Jesus and life will be wonderful. The problem with that is most of us can't. 
We've got responsibility. We've got to engage in a real world, do a real life. And I was reading this and God just said to me, Rachel, you haven't understood what I was saying to Martha. I wasn't saying to Martha, don't do the work and preparation. I was saying, don't do it with that attitude. I was saying, you're not in a good place to carry on working. Stop, reset, realign, focus on Jesus. That's the one thing you need to break all this feeling of victimization off your life. And once you put Jesus back in the right place, you'll get on with the preparation and it won't feel so arduous. And actually, you can find that principle of Scripture right the way through. We have to continue with our responsibility, but don't do it out of a place of angst and stress. And when you feel you're wound up, Christmas is coming, wonderful. You know, all the adverts of this wonderful family decorating the tree in perfect harmony. Your house, my house, not. How many know what I'm talking about? And there's all the expectations. And we can feel it's all on me. I've got to do it all. We've got to do this thing. Step back. Realign. Reassess. Where's Jesus in your picture right now? And you see, what he's trying to teach us is we get distracted with so many things and we lose the Jesus in the story. Some of you, this is your word for today. Some of you watching online, you are just all in the wrong space and it's winding you up. Stop, reset, refocus. You need one thing, a Jesus focus. Then you can sort the rest out. You know, as we look at the life of Jesus again and again, we find people say, stop, watch Jesus. Stop, listen to Jesus. In fact, in the very first miracle, John chapter 2, you know, Mary stops all the hubbub of that wedding when the wine runs out. Do so you remember? And she says, stop. Just listen to Jesus. Everything's about to go wrong. You know, they planned this big event, which will be the focus for the whole of the village. And the wine runs out. Major gaff. Caterers not in their best. And everything is tense. And Mary says, uh uh uh, just listen to Jesus. Maybe you're in a process and a season, and it's like things have really been overlooked. Maybe things that should have been planned different, better have really gone wrong. And we need to hear the word, ha, just listen to Jesus. And it's easy to say, but you see, when we're distracted, it's finding that stillness to hear. And I believe in this season, there is so much being stirred and wound up. And it's hard to listen to Jesus. And so we come to that story in Mark chapter 4. Just watch Jesus. Just watch Jesus. Mark chapter 4. You're going to read this scripture with me. You know the story. And a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat and so it was nearly swamped and Jesus was in the stern sleeping bit like Mary sleeping at Jesus feet you know like 
seriously. And the disciples woke him up and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And the waves died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Faith comes by hearing the message, the message of God. Because you see, in all the angst of all our circumstances, which narrative are you listening to? And Jesus is looking at these disciples and he's saying, could you not hear what I could hear? Could you not see what I can see? And we are living in times of shaking. Shaky, shaky, quakey, quakey. No. Come on, we need to be more Bond-esque. Shaken but not stirred. Come on, we're the church. And I do believe everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. Empires are going to fall. Institutions are going to collapse. Our wonderful financial concepts are not going to hold up. But there is one foundation that is secure, that never fails, that never gives up, that holds us. He is the anchor in the storm. And a huge storm blew up. And everyone thought, whoa, we're going down. But Jesus was asleep. Why? Because he found the eye of the storm. And you see, he spoke to the storm. And it became perfectly calm. I believe in these days that there is a huge storm of our media. You know, you watch too much news. You watch what's going on. And you, if you believe the prophets of the day, you are going to die of cold. You are not going to be able to pay your heating bill. You are going to lose your job. Inflation is going to take all your money. You're going to have a pension that's worth peanuts. You're going to live like, like worse than a monkey. And it, so it goes on. You know, the animals are going to get better care than the humans. I loved a cartoon I saw a little while ago. It was all these foxes standing up with the placards. And it was saying, please save the human race. <laughs> because we were caring for the foxes and fox hunting more than we were for the humans. But, it, you know, let's laugh. Because it, there is so much noise out there. And how many of you feel the intimidation of it? But they are not setting your days. They are not setting your destiny. They are not setting your future. And so here all the waves were lashing. And the boat, the boat is a picture of life. It is that place. is about to go down. And Jesus says, it's fine. I can sleep. Because I'm held in my daddy's hand. Come on, no one can pluck you out of your father's hand. Every day he's marked off and he's marked off goodness. Come on, do we believe it? Come on, just say, I break the power of every narrative that doesn't sell my story in Jesus' name. God's got my story. God's got my future. And I want to break the curse of which I feel is so strong. Now, come on. We're going to live a Jesus-centric life. 
Let's get in that eye of the storm. Because you see, I believe we are living in the whirlwind. Every wind is going to blow. Every wind of doctrine and thinking. You know, gender fluidity. What does marriage look like? All the social reforms of our so-called new thinking society. And it messes with us. But come on, shut up, get down. Where's Jesus in the storm? He's sleeping. He really is not worried. So why are you? Why, Jesus says, are you so afraid? I'm having a good snooze. Because I've won it all. Over sickness I've conquered. Over death I've conquered. I am the calibrator and maker of life and death. I turn barrenness into fruitfulness. I turn wickedness into righteousness. I redeem and bring hope. I am the God of all ages. Yesterday, today, and forever. I am the same. Nothing shifts. So come on, we break the lie of the enemy. We break it. But there is a whirlwind. And we are living in the whirlwind. And John chapter 3 verse 8 says, The wind comes. Remember Nicodemus, he was worried. He was a thinker. And he went to Jesus and he began to process. He says, how, what, why, when? And Jesus said to him, don't worry, Nicodemus. You can't work it out. We're living in the season of the wind. You don't know where the wind comes from, John 3, 8. You do not discern where the wind comes from. You do not know where the wind is going to. So is everyone. Say everyone. everyone. Born of the Spirit. You see, we're made to live in the whirlwind season. We are living in a season where we don't know where stuff is coming from. Where did that idea come from? Have you ever thought about that? Why is that a good idea? I don't know where I'm going to. I want to say good leaders in this season are leaders that are adaptable. Leaders that can change their mind. How many of you have made whole rotors, plans, and scopes, and you've had to rip them up in the last two years? Give me a wave. Look around the room. Good leaders. You see, there's no point just driving to a cliff and carrying on. I made this plan. We're going to keep to it. No, this is a season of adaptability, flexibility. We've got to trust and lean in the wind. Walking with the wind is different than walking with the Holy Spirit as water, Holy Spirit as fire. Now learn a new grace, the Holy Spirit as wind. Wind is exciting if you catch it right. Dear Gung, he loves the wind. You know, when you stand on the edge of the cliff and you just go with it and it suddenly drops you, he's got a good mark in his backside where he got jumped on a flint stone and it cut his butt. <laughs> because the wind was great while he was there. He's done most things. But you know what I'm talking about. Are you ready to lean into the wind? Are you ready to go with the wind? Are you ready to risk and fly? It's a whole different skill. But we're living in the wind. So how was Jesus able to sleep in that boat? He watched heaven. He was a heaven-focused life. He didn't take his reference points, his plumb lines and his compasses from earth. He took it from heaven. And John 5 
said, Jesus spoke to his disciples and he said, very truly I say to you, the son of man doesn't make up his own agendas, plan his own things. I do nothing of my own initiative and from my own perspectives. But everything I do, I do because I've already seen it demonstrated in heaven. So I see what my daddy's doing and then I know what to do on earth. It's a heaven to earth life. And God wants to upgrade your sensory skills so that we become devoted to this incredible Jesus. We look at Jesus. We know Jesus. We love Jesus. And then we get directed to him. So where is Jesus in your world today? Whether you're in the room or at home, I hope that this Jesus captivates you. Get aligned. Pull that in. All your stinking thinking. Come on, make it Jesus thinking. What do you want me to do today? I don't want to be distracted. Jesus, I want you to be my center. So how Jesus focused are you? I was on holiday recently with Gordon. We took our two kids and six grandkids and we went to Italy to sort of catch up one of those COVID planned holidays that got deleted and it was Gordon 70, my 60, married 40 years, David and Jenny 10th wedding anniversary, I can't remember all the others, Tim's 40th, we had all the, so many decades and we just went and celebrated all the different decades. And as I was lying there watching the kids in the pool, I was just thinking and half praying, half musing about different situations that I'm connected to. I was thinking about my friend who's had thyroid and then lung cancer and then her husband had had prostate cancer and just different situations. And I was half praying, thinking, carrying them in the presence of God. And I just felt God say, shh, I don't want to talk about this. And it's like, well, God, I, I, I'm thinking about these things. I want to carry, you see, distracted by so many things, preparing even good things, so-called. And then I felt God just say, stop it. I'm bored of this conversation. I want to talk about something else. And I was a bit like, but I did feel just that check of Jesus. And then as I just waited, I said, well, what, what's wrong? I felt God asked me this question, Rachel, do I still captivate you? Rachel, do I captivate you? You see, if you're captivated, you're not easily distracted. And so many things can pull us in a thousand ways and get us thinking. But if we're captivated, we're not easily distracted. Does Jesus still captivate you? If there's one thing about my life, I'm 62 now. I've known Jesus since I was four years old. But I have a very simplistic Jesus relationship. Church has not always been the greatest, but that's like family. Families have fights, but Jesus has always been wonderful. What a friend I have in Jesus. I remember that was the first song I ever sung in our choir in boarding school, and I was asked to sing that line. And it's funny, so often when times have been tough, I've come back to, what a friend I have in Jesus. Who is Jesus in your life? Does he captivate you? Is Jesus the Prince of Peace, the shepherd of all time, 
the way, the truth, and your real life balance. Do you love him? Does he captivate you? Can you just stop and feel the, whoa, I love you, Jesus. You know, some of the simple songs, oh, how I love Jesus. Have you lost some of the mystery and the majesty of this incredible relationship that Jesus loves me? When we're carrying and when we're watching and we're seeing many painful, difficult, traumatic things, and if we've got a pastoral heart and you watch people go through stuff, it's hard not to end up carrying it and feeling it and that. And I just felt Jesus say, stop it, put it all down. I just want you. And for some of you, the reason you're frustrated, you're tired, you're overwhelmed, is you've lost the simplicity of your Jesus. You've lost the simplicity of adoration. So what does adoration look like? Well, there's many faces of adoration. <laughs> if any of you have dogs and there's a chicken, you know. You try and distract that dog, no way. Do you adore? You see, when people are really in love, it's so amazing. However demanding the schedule, somehow they find time to connect. And you see, that was Martha. She was so busy, but she needed to disconnect and stop, get rid of the stress to reconnect, to do life well. Some of you just need to stop and find your Jesus in your world again. You're working for him, but you've lost him. And he said, stop. Shh. Do you love me? <coughs> Remember Peter on that walk? He almost insulted, of course I love you, Jesus. Why would I be here? No, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? I believe God is asking us for a new focused worship, consecration, devotion, a proskuneer. In John 4, it says, the time is coming when those true worshippers will worship God, spirit and in truth. That word to worship literally means to kiss, to be drawn towards, to be drawn to the master's hand as a dog to lick the handle. It's like... I can see nothing but you. Nothing distracts me. And for some of us, we need to take off even legitimate responsibility, things like Martha, we need to do that are in our world plan, but actually they're in the wrong position and they are um, so overwhelming our perspective that we have lost the simplicity of Jesus. So you've been talking about prayer. Well, the funny thing is I'm going to teach you on prayer today. Shh, stop. Sometimes we pray too much because we pray for the stress and the burdens and the pressure. And I feel Jesus is just wanting to bring us into a hallowed space where he says, shh, be still. I'm God. I'm ready to talk. Shh, worship him. Worship doesn't always mean singing a chorus. doesn't always mean dancing. Worship 
is that heart connection that's drawn to God and just says, I want you. I need you. I'm here. And there is a whole prayer of adoration and silence that God is calling out of his church at this time. He's asking us to be still. And no, he is God. He is the God of more than enough. He is the God who can turn every curse into blessing. He is the God of the turnaround. Behold him. Be still and know that I am God. It's interesting as you look back in the church history and the series of the Pilgrim Fathers and the mystics and the others, they often had what we call today rhythms of prayer or stations of prayer. And we don't really have, many of us, very good rhythms of prayer. But one of the rhythms of prayer of many of these prophetic church Jesus people was silence. And they'd often have silence twice. They call it the prayer of silence and adoration. It would be when they wake up. Their first thing was to take 20 minutes to half an hour to find a space or place usually outside with something beautiful, creative, a tree, a fountain, a river, flowers, something to designate the creative beauty of God, and they would sit and contemplate. They would be still and behold. And this prayer of silence and contemplation was a prayer of quiet. It was spent entirely focused on the person of Jesus. Sometimes people would place bread or wine on a table as a symbol to focus on the personhood of Jesus. And then they would sit and acknowledge with their gaze and with their being the incredible person of Jesus. And this prayer, one of the Pilgrim Fathers writes this. He said, adoration is the most natural response of human beings. We are all looking for a hero. But will you take a moment to adore God? For as you adore him, a transformation happens. No longer are you held captive to the concerns of this life. But in that adoration, your heart is lifted to a timeless place where God alone dwells. Now stay there for a while. Gaze at his beauty, regard his majesty, and let your spirit be renewed by the power of his presence. When you get up and you're facing a lot, remember you've got a big God. The other time that they put in this rhythm of the prayer of silence was when they finished their work and they came back into their community whether it was back into their home space or whether it was more the monastical life, back into their monastery, abbey, community. And if we look at many of our incredible buildings, we'll see the cloisters, these little alleyways covered with little seats all the way down before you come into the chapel. And the whole thing was designed, don't come running out from your busy world with all your problems and things, but sit before you enter the presence of God. 
and behold him. Strip off all the weights and pressures, all the Martha angst, which says, nobody cares for me, nobody sees me, it's all on my way, it's too much, God, you don't care, no one cares. It's like, shh, be still. Sit in this little cloister thing. And it, they practiced the presence of Jesus. That's what Madame Guillaume called it. Isn't that beautiful? Sit, be still, practice. How many of you think, I need a bit of practice? Practice the presence of Jesus. Be still. And it used to take them 20 minutes to half an hour just to download, reload, reconnect, get rid of the angst and pressure. Say, wow, what an incredible God. He's more than enough. And they had this as their rhythm of life. Gordon, during lockdown, found a book, and it was James Moore Hickson. And as he began to read it, distant Hickson, distant relative. But this man, James Moore Hickson, he was alive in the 1850s to the 1870s. Well, that was the period of his ministry. He was alive longer than that. But during that time, 1850s, 1870s, he had an encounter with God. He was now 57 years old. But what had happened? Earlier, in the 1830s, he began to meet these people who were practicing the presence of Jesus. George Fox, Quakers, other people had begun in the 1700s. But there was this thing about, do you know it? He, James Moore Hickson, wasn't an everyday accountant. He ran a big accounting firm in the north of England. But he began to feel his life was stressed, overwhelmed. So he began to put into his rhythm of everyday life a prayer of silence. And actually, read this book. And it is at 55 years old, he decides to go for eight years to travel through Canada, America, India. I can't remember all the places. Was it Philippines? It was really unusual. Australia. And he visited all the cathedrals through the Church of England. And as he went to all these cathedrals, God used him in signs and wonders and miracles. And he just saw the power of God falling. It took eight years out of it. And when, at the very end of the book, you get the key, he's asked, well, how did you begin to be go from an accountant at 55 years old to an ministering itinerant, signs, wonders, and miracles in every cathedral? Remember, we're talking 1800s in all these nations. What happened? He said, I changed the rhythm of my life. And I began to become someone who made space for the silence of God. And as I sat in the presence of God, remember what the pilgrim says, as you will sit and stay for a while, gazing in the beauty of his majesty, regarding him, your spirit will be renewed and empowered by his presence. And he said, I walked out as his accountant from those stillness times. And suddenly I realized I was carrying something. We become like those we behold. We become like those we behold. And I was carrying something and I didn't know it. And people began to get healed. And then I thought, I need to go. And he went for eight years, cathedral after cathedral, 1850 to 1870. 
Canada, America, Australia, India, Philippines, all these things. He saw the power of God just go, Psh. why? He changed the rhythm of his life. I want to say to you, Watford, <laughs> Wellspring, there has always been a mandate in this house for signs, wonders, and miracles. And I believe if we are focused, who knows what is going to be uprooted, overflowed at this time. And it's not trying to work out a program or a system. It's actually just being Jesus' people. God's going to catch you unawares. As Helen and I, and I don't know, Helen, if you want to just come, but as Helen and I were just praying, God began to speak to us about Watford. And I just began to see that Watford is, and I mean, I lived here many years, but I was always in decorum council. But I just had this phrase, where three rivers meet, where three rivers meet, and I looked it up, and of course, Watford Council is three rivers district. And God just said, in Watford, I again and again are giving you the number three, three values, three distinctives, three mandates, three callings. I believe God has given you a mandate for your Jerusalem right here. He's given you a mandate for your Samaria, your region and the area around. And he's given you a mandate for missions to the uttermost parts of the world. Three in one and one in three. Neighborhood to nations with the regions in between, one, two, three. God has given you three provisions. And this really came from my father's day, Alan Vincent, who found it. And he always said, God has promised me in Watford, there will always be the provision of people and leaders for every task, the provision of buildings for every calling, and the provision of finance to get it done well. Come on. Three. Do you believe that? So we need to focus and download it. And then he said there are three spiritual values the house will carry. Number one, you will carry faith. You are people of faith. And out of that faith will come generosity. You are people of prayer and worship. And out of that will come authority and ability to war. And you are people of supernatural connection. Filled with the Holy Spirit, able to move in miracles. People of connection, people of faith, people of prayer. Amen. So what do we say? Shh. I love God. Shh. Behold. Yeah, I do care. You're amazing. You ready to pray? So I want to ask you whether you're listening online or whether you're in the room. Because this is an important moment. Where is Jesus in your life? I've talked about a passionate love affair with Jesus. I've talked about living a Jesus-focused life. And it doesn't happen by accident. No church can save you. No church died for you. So coming to church is never does it. It's you making a personal decision with Jesus because you want it. Not even because your parents says this is a good idea. There has to be a day, a time, and a place where you put your hand up and you say, I want it. Doesn't matter how old you are. I was four and it worked for me. But it does need to happen.
And so as you are in this space today, I want to ask you, where is Jesus in your life? If that plumb line was held up, are you in the right space with God? Do you love him? Are you Jesus-focused? And if you know you need to set that plumb line straight, then today is your day, right here, right now. And so I'm going to count to three, one, two, three. And when I count three, if you know there is something in your life that you're just saying, God, I'm sorry, I want my life to be Jesus-focused. I'm sorry where it's got out of whack. But here today, here am I. I want you, on the count of three, I want you to put your hand up. Whether it's the first time you've ever done it, or you've done it before, but you just know I need to recenter. Even if you're at home, you can do this. I want you to put your hand up to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you. I want you. So here we go. One, two, three. Respond. And as you keep that hand up, I want to pray for you. And I want you to use your imagination. I want you to see Jesus. And I want you to know that Jesus has got hold of your hand and saying, I've got you, son. I've got you, daughter. So right now, as the house of Jesus, can we just pray together? One, two, three. Jesus today, say it after me. Jesus today, I give you my life. I am so sorry for the poor choices I've made. But today... I choose you. Please forgive me. Now receive it. And right now, just say it with me right now. I believe, I receive all the power of heaven to help me live my life well for you, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Turn to someone and say, I want to live a Jesus-focused life. Bless someone. And as the musicians just continue to play, before we go out the back door and we do Sunday lunch and all the other wonderful things of Sunday, we've got a few moments left on the clock. And I wonder if you need to come to Jesus. Maybe you're carrying stress. Maybe there's stuff going on in your world and you feel a bit like Martha. I'm so overwhelmed, but I need to leave this in the house of God and in the hands of Jesus. And you don't want to run out that door. So we want to offer prayer. So I'm going to ask for the, the leadership team here in the church, the prayer team, Helen, Gordon, myself. We're just going to stand at the front. And as we stand and worship, if you want someone to pray for you, come forward. Tim gave that word of knowledge about IBS. If that's you, come forward. Let us pray for you. If you need healing in your body, come forward. And Helen, have you got something I can see? We've worked together 16 years. <laughs> you know, the other thing, as Rachel's been speaking this morning, is I've had, I've had this picture, and it's a picture of an archer, and he's pulling back the bow with a lot of tension in that bow, and the arrow is getting ready to be fired. And the beautiful thing about that is that when you fire an arrow and you pull it back and you hold, if you hold long enough, 
You get your focus absolutely right. And I feel the Lord is saying that for some of us here, we felt the tension of this season in a very big way. And God's had you held. And it's like you're thinking, but I know where you want me to go. I've had words of promise. I've had prophetic words. I've had destiny words. And it's not moving. And you're, you're frustrated in that. And it's like, God, what do I need to do? And he says, wait, hold. And in the tension, he's bringing you focus. And I believe the key is Rachel's message this morning of the Jesus-centered focus. And even prophetic words can become a distraction. And I don't mean that disrespectfully of the prophetic word, but actually our focus is Jesus. And I, I just wonder whether for some of us here this morning, we need to bring that to him this morning and hold those destiny words and say, God, I, I give you this. Because this is a place from which you're going to spring forward, that well spring. There's a springboard here to accelerate you. God is giving this church a forward momentum. But actually the forward momentum comes from the focus centered in him. So again, if you want prayer for that, I just believe if we will step forward and say, God, I'm sorry, I do feel frustrated. <laughs> but actually, I trust you. This is a timing issue and your timing is perfect. And I yield to you holding me back so that when the time comes, you will release me into the fullness of my destiny. And God will give that to you. Amen. Amen. So maybe we just need to respond. <laughs> If you feel you want to stand, please do. We're going to hand over to the worship team to help us fix our eyes upon Jesus. But actually, we thank you, Father. You're in this house, and you've been speaking this morning. And Lord, as people come to respond, we just ask for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to adore you. We want to fix our eyes on you this morning, and we want to see you afresh. So would you do all that you know how to do, God? as we yield to your presence. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by what you've heard. If you'd like to know more about Jesus, Wellspring Church, or how you can grow with others in faith, connect with us by clicking the link in the episode description or by joining us on Sundays at 9am and 11am in person and online.